history-coded greetings this day and history-soaked hellos. This is a combination of like Christmas morning, um, wedding day, funeral recession later today, <laughs> um, New Year's Day. All the days, all the reference points are all swirling in the blender. Um, it seemed like a, a moment to stop and take some inventory and um, I'm doing really well all things considered and I I feel super lucky and fortunate and hashtag blessed and regular blessed and I have some energy to give to myself and some energy to give beyond so I just have a few minutes this is also probably one of the most difficult days right for me it's it's hard it, there's a lot of stuff on the surface and a lot of things beneath the surface and I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of uh, trying to kind of water ski as best as possible <laughs> on the surface and not plunge and uh, keep moving. But maybe water skiing is too grandiose a metaphor. Um, I think just well, let's go with swim. I'm going to swim on top of that thing. The thing that was coming to mind the last night and, and this morning um, it's it's Tuesday, election day morning. I got to get ready and quote unquote be at work in a few minutes virtually. And I will be. But, but there's 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 plenty going on that's just it's just good in my life. And I, I thought I could just I could slow it down enough and just talk enough about mostly trivial feeling things. But but life is this this funny, trivial mix I've been watching, just, I'm just going to jump in, I've been watching Ancient Aliens with a passion. Now, if you're like my wife, Tara, you cringe and find the next room to exist while I'm fired up. Uh, these mostly bearded men pontificating about their opinions about the uh, early ancient alien astronauts who visited season six episode five was another ancient aliens classic and i've watched it a couple times <laughs> and i don't even think it's about aliens actually that's the beauty of ancient aliens is they don't rely on aliens only they can do it without them are you familiar with the Grand Canyon expedition of around 1908-1909 and someone named um, Jay Kincaid, who was a... Uh, can you say this and it actually just be literally true? Uh, he was a panhandler, but not in like the way you might say the panhandler out by the Ryman Auditorium. Um, he literally was panning for gold. And he was doing it in the Grand Canyon. And he looks up. He's in a remote part of the Grand Canyon. He looks up and he sees a man-made cave. This is in 1908 or 1909 or so. The cave is very difficult to get to, but he does get to it. It's kind of up from the 
bottom of the river where he was panning for gold, goes in and he says, there is a city inside this cave. The city is probably a grandiose term, but as room after room, in some cases, the rooms were a thousand feet long. And he says in the room were international treasures. There was enormous statues of Buddha. There were Egyptian mummies stored. And there were other artifacts from around the world. Like, obviously, we're talking about um, things that were nowhere near uh, Arizona. And he's like, wow, I got, I, I got to, I'm, who am I? I got to find the authorities. He enlists the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. They send one of their guys out and the uh, kind of like staff of the Smithsonian verifies it, gets it, and he starts, it's crazy. They start boxing up and taking out um, this is all written up in the local paper. It's a, I think there was two articles, and it's published on the front page of like uh, the Arizona such and such. Um, what, what city was it? Oh man, was it a Tucson paper? Anyway, somewhere in, near the Grand Canyon, one of the larger cities at the time. Um, of course, this is you know this is just after this is kind of still the Wild West. Um, but they, it was a developed newspaper that ran stories every day, and they ran this feature article, and it talks about all the things. And I, there's even a few pictures. Now they're kind of crude. They ship all these findings by train to Washington, D.C., and they are never discussed again. In fact, the original explorer panhandler, Jay Kincaid, is never mentioned again. Now, the, the Smithsonian staff, there is verification that he was around a bit after this story. The Smithsonian has denied all of this. There was never a cave full of international treasures and enormous rooms and, and a, a kind of city in the Grand Canyon. They deny it all. If they... If they did say any of it was true, then suddenly you have a global crisis of his, of history on your hands. <laughs> what, um, what are we talking about? How, how could this have happened? Who would have brought these treasures all the way to Arizona um, back before modern transportation methods were happening? History would be um, suddenly overwhelmed by a whole nother lair. This is the beauty of ancient aliens. This story, you can find it um, in so many places, the story of the cave of treasures and the specific guy was Jay Kincaid. Um, let me just say YouTube did not hold back on further uh, quote unquote experts commenting on the story. I watched Steel Magnolias for the first time about a month and a half ago. My wife, Tara, is a huge fan of that production, um, which I believe it's a play or a musical, and obviously it's a movie. The movie came out in the late 80s, and 
stars Sally Field and Julia Roberts. I was completely unprepared for how um, emotional the whole thing gets by the end. <laughs> and it was um, it was destabilizing for me. I needed a whole day to process Steel Magnolias after I saw it. In particular, if you haven't seen it at all or you haven't seen it in a while, there is a passing, a death. And there's something that Sally Field, there's a moment that Sally Field provides that is so pure in a kind of resisting death. It's probably the last, in the last 25, 30 minutes of the movie. I believe it's at a, at, after a memorial service, after a funeral, and then she really, she really kind of goes off in a kind of pontification. But you've spent so much time with her character, and I gotta say, it really, it really touched something deep. <laughs> Rob Bell. Do you know Rob Bell? He's a, he's a pastor without a church anymore. He's a Michigander who is the most Californian hipster, rolls his skinny leg jeans at the bottom these days as like a probably nearly 50-year-old. Rob Bell's written a new book. It's out. It's called Everything is Spiritual. Um... And it's the story of his own life. It's a, really a biography, an autobiography. I think it's the best thing he's written. Um, and he's written some really good stuff. He's a countercultural type. Um, he has a good podcast. It's super low-key. Unlike this one. <laughs> Steve Earle. I came across Steve Earle as a Nashvillian a good, a good few years uh, into being living here. I moved to Nashville to, to attend Belmont University in the in the late summer of uh, 1993. Um, I think Steve Earle was going to jail about that time for possession of high-level narcotics. I had no reference point really for who he was. Um, it would be a couple years. He actually wrote a song on an Emmylou Harris record called uh, Wrecking Ball, produced by Daniel Lanois, and the song is Goodbye. I, you know what? I say I didn't know who he was. I must have known his name from that. And that song is spectacularly beautiful and, and aching. Um, and that album had come out, I believe, late 94, uh, maybe, maybe 95. Um, Steve Earle's been through so many ups and downs he's been married I'm not making fun it's just the truth he's been married seven times and then um, I, I really probably around 2001 2002 I really started to understand Steve Earle on the terms I, I could, could understand him and I just appreciated him deeply as a songwriter deeply as a human being and he definitely has a way with honesty and a way with words uh, and certainly a way with sweet um, 
turns of phrase and and love him trust him his son tragically died about two months ago Justin Towns Earl he Justin Towns Earl grew up in Nashville in fact the truth is he was not super close with his dad and Justin Towns Earl is a was a, a significant singer-songwriter in his own right kind of had a um, a little bit more of a folk angle uh, a little bit of an older school approach great tunes I, I knew just enough of his stuff and he, he grew up in Nashville and is younger than me by a solid decade or maybe two decades almost um, I don't know him but friends of friends knew Justin Towns Earl and Justin tragically died I believe it was related to um, a narcotic situation um, super good person, and 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 Steve Earl has a show he does on Sirius XM. It's this like the most music appreciation um, thing. And Steve, he's an in incredible music historian. He's his own life is full of so many bumps and twists and turns that. Even him na navigating and narrating and recalling his own past, it always happens in these serious XM shows. And then his knowledge of the different kinds of songs that were happening in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and, and beyond. I, it's so good. Steve keeps doing that show within like a few days of his son's passing. It's full of so much hurt and heartache. He's also doing... This happened a few weeks later, I think. But he's also doing these uh, Guitar Town video YouTube podcast things, or like video podcasts. And here's a guy that just lost his son. And he... I, I don't even know that it's right, but it's just it's how he's processing. He's just keep going, and he, he's just giving... And it's some of the most... And, and, and these, in these YouTube podcasts, he's just giving the most beautiful um, reflections. Not, not. I don't think he really talks about Justin much, if at all, but he's just talking about the, the mini guitarist. Steve is a guitar nut. Man, it's good stuff. Um, so appreciative of Steve Earle. I'm recalling these different things for you just because life is vibrant and rich and full of stimulus. And I am... I'm not I'm not going to quit enjoying life and enjoying the many beautiful things all around because of how shaky and rocky the political landscape is today and will be no matter what happens everyone's been saying this but it's no less true um it's going to be rocky for a while Someone that's helped me that I've been reading and thinking about and listening to videos, etc., is Jonathan Haidt, H-A-I-D-T. He wrote a book in 2011, The Righteous Mind. And he is so interested in what is going through the heads of people on the right 
what is going through the heads of people on the left, what's going on in a kind of way of perceiving how societies move and ebb and flow. He's a kind of social, I think he is a social psychologist. I'm using the wrong word there. He's uh, a sociologist of a, of a kind. And he's not, I, he would say he's he comes from academe. He comes from uh, a kind of left. But he also has come, he's probably 55, 60. He's come to value the contributions and mindset of a conservative and his his whole goal is like what are we talking about when we talk about left talking about right here's the idea there's so much that could be said about what height has been doing and continues to do and i i the the book righteous mind uh, has a lot to offer i keep going back to it just for little little nuggets and then i'll put it down again but he talks about how the left operates with primarily a mindset of egalitarianism. We're all the same. We all deserve the same rights, the same freedoms, the same care from society. On the right, he talks about how uh, a sacrosanct value is proportionality. What is that? That we we deserve what we have worked for. What we have, we have earned. And what I have is worth protecting. And And it's not you know, for most of us, um, we're, we're, on, we're on the spectrum between those two, or we carry some traits in some way between those two. But I think about, I just came across this idea from Height a couple weeks ago, and I think about it constantly, and I think when I see folks on the other side of the aisle from me, I think regularly about, okay, there, there's a proportional thing, <laughs> There's a, a fear of a zero-sum game. If you have this, then I won't have that. And then I look at myself and I have this, where do I get off thinking egalitarianism is the most uh, holy and unquestionable idea? And I'm still working out my conclusions, but th this is an idea that I, I um, man, I've gone back to several times the last couple of weeks. I keep thinking about it. I'm glad to have learned it, and I'm glad to have it as a way of thinking in these troubled times. There's a show on HBO moving right along. Did you like or see? Did you see and then perhaps like the movie Midsommar? Midsommar? S-O-M-A-R? Midsommar? A kind of stylized horror movie. I think it was a 2018 movie. Maybe early 2019. It's a great movie. I'm not really wanting to talk about that. Except to say that a show right now on HBO called The Third Day. It's a six-part show. It's made with the production values of a movie. It's a high-level endeavor um 
I think it might be Jude Law's most incredible performance, and he's done a lot of a lot of crazy shit. Highly recommend the third day on HBO. It's like a horror movie that goes on, but it's 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 very um, it's very curious. The storytelling, especially there's not not each of not each of all six episodes are um, mind blowing, but there's a few that are. The third day on HBO. Um, An album came out um, mid-September by British band Doves called The Universal Want. I have followed Doves since their first release, I think, in 1999. Um, it's, 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 It's modern rock with a certain British doleful feel and the vocalist has this wonderfully unique voice and I last bought a new record from them in 2009 because that's the last time they put one out so they've been on a big old hiatus I don't think they've ever been that commercially successful I would say they deserve so much it's one of the greater injustices of the music business as I know it. And, oh, there have been many, I'm sure, for all of us. <laughs> the Doves should be as big as any rock band I could think of uh, because the quality is so high. The new album, Universal Want, is just solid meat and potatoes rock and roll with a fair amount of artful twists and... I would say high-level production and soulful yearning. Um, man, I I have listened to Doves Universal One almost every day since the album came out. I bu- I don't I don't buy hardly any music anymore because it's all online, and I just buy subscriptions. Maybe like you, I bought the vinyl of Universal One just so I could put the album on my bookshelf in my living room. Somehow Tara agreed that it was okay to put it as kind of like a picture in the bookshelf, the album vinyl, the the, the, the vinyl box. Um, highly recommend. I uh, just have a, a little more... I've been jogging a lot, and I've been enjoying running more from a heart and spirit and soul level than I ever have. And I feel super fortunate that somehow my knees and legs and back are holding, holding it together. I, I've been running at the Percy Warner park, which is in Nashville. If you know where Bellamy Boulevard is at the end of Bellamy Boulevard. And they have finished after a lot of, it was kind of poetic. I mean, right as the pandemic was really, um, kind of beginning to kick in they started working a ton on this opening area the alley is what it's called to the to the opening that's that particular area the Bellmead opening at Percy Warner Park the alley is this beautiful one-of-a-kind staircase up a hillside a miniature mountainside um and it just opened after all this work from like January all the way up until like mid-October 
the LA was off limits. You couldn't even go. It's now open, and and with that opening, it's so beautiful, and it's 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 the rock formations of all these steps that, that the contractor people put together. It's it's kind of this symbolic. I've been running out of Percy Warner Park for a solid man. Let me think, seventeen years. Uh, there's the five eight, and I always do it counterclockwise. But I start at Bellamy Boulevard and do five point eight miles. And it's a it's a well marked course, but that the LA is now open and re- totally renewed. It's fall, and the fall feels are in effect. The crispiness, it's good stuff. Um, it takes me about twenty minutes from my front door to get right there to the Bellmead Boulevard parking area, um, the 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 PWP entrance. Man, I would go right now. I got to work, but I would go right now. Um, I love that 5.8 course. I usually listen to music or something, or a lot of podcasts, of course, or audiobooks. Um, but the chance to just do that rhythmic motion of moving my legs and arms, and, and uh, it's... It's so transformative, and it's helped tremendously to me, for me, with me. It's helped me with a lot of thinking. Um, I might go out there today. I, you know what? I'm going to try to go out there today. Maybe I can sneak it in. It always clears my head. And I, I'm saying that I was in Pittsburgh a couple years ago on a work conference thing, and um, there was... Uh, etching scratched into this bridge across one of Pittsburgh's many rivers and it was the kind of bridge cringe 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 that it was high enough off the river that sad things have happened I'm guessing in the past Um, meaning people have leapt to their demise and these uh, Pittsburgh being what it is, steel town, there's these giant steel beams. And someone had etched in the steel, nature kills sadness. And I think about that a lot. Um, and uh, it's definitely helped me in recent weeks and days. Marianne Williamson ran for president do you know Marianne? She, she's, an, she's an, a unique individual, and I really like her, and she's one of a kind to me. She is credited, more than credited, I mean, I have the book right here. It's uh, Marianne Williamson, Return to Love, Reflections on the Principle of A Course in Miracles. This book was 75 cents. It's in very good condition uh, at McKay's books um i just got i i've liked her for years i followed her for years she's great on instagram did a video this morning even um talking about election stuff and uh she's a deeply spiritual thinker she's famous for this our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure it is our light not our darkness that most frightens us we ask ourselves who am i to be brilliant gorgeous talented fabulous Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. 
your playing small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. That's page 165 of Marianne Williamson, A Return to Love. I am... I'm going to hold on to that. I've written out that quote a couple times recently just to feel the weight of it. Marion Williamson on her Instagram prayed for us today. It was really sincere. It was like she's talking, talking, talking. She's like, let us bow our heads for prayer. And I just, I didn't really see it coming. And it was, and then her prayer was really earnest. Um, and her prayer was that love and light of which are in great abundance around us. And I'm, you know what, I'm so fortunate I have a nice window here beside me and I can even see the horizon of West Nashville. There's not a cloud in the sky today. It's so golden fall sunny. And I, I think about light metaphorically and obviously light literally <laughs> there is so much light and I'm not going to give up knowledge of that I'm not going to give up the love in my life and those around me that believe in love and the revolution do you ever see the revolution bumper sticker with like love flipped backwards? Um, that's what I'm talking about. So, um, I'm not, I'm not backing away from these, these things. I'm not backing away from, from all the good things that are in my life. There's, uh, all these, this little list that I just whipped through. That's the, that's the beginning. And there's, I have, beyond media lovely 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 people I'm committed to holding on and I those are the things in life that make life great and I am happy as much as I can be this morning and I'm not gonna let this hubbub steal unduly from my happiness that is my wish for myself and I extend that to you get the popcorn ready get the frozen pizzas ready we're going to see what happens tonight I look forward to the next time I check in <laughs> until then Thank you. This is Jeff Little with The Attentionist.